We ho ho hope you're ready to join us for our Merry Blockmas special. I'm Amit Power. Naughty or Nice will be answering listener questions, but be careful, you might just get whamrolled. I'm Jeff Gadsden. And this is Block It Like It's Hot. Hey, Ahmed, can you believe it's been a year since we started this podcast? We launched in December the 1st, 2022. All that talk about wham and mince pies. Wow. Are you, it's literally been a year. I can't believe yeah. um, that is nuts. I can't believe how fast time has has passed. Um, and, and now we're in episode 12 and it's December. So it kind of makes sense. I wanted to start off this episode with my ode to Christmas and regional anesthesia. So here we go. Oh, Okay. No gel, no gel, no gel. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry, I had been planning that for like so, so long. <laughs> oh wow, is that a just you know you're you're just abandoning in gel altogether? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it might be that we were about to do a blot, but we can't because there's no gel, no gel. But, oh yeah, um, okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I was just thinking, man. One of the biggest highlights for me over this uh, last year was was getting to know uh, you, Benner. And I've got to say, uh, over the last 12 episodes, it's been phenomenal getting a little insight into into what makes your brain tick. And it's been absolutely so much fun. I hope you've enjoyed it too, man. <laughs> That's a dark place, what makes my brain tick. But <laughs> but no, seriously, likewise, man. It's, this has been a, just a, a wonderful you know piece to my year and getting to know you better and i always look forward to our chats and having so much fun well listen it's, it's a great way to exchange ideas and i can't tell you how much i've learned and we'll touch on some of that later i'm sure but uh, i'm going to do that slightly embarrassing thing you know when you come to an end of a show when people do that thing when they bring out flowers and stuff i'm gonna do that little embarrassing thing now i wanted to take the time to thank <laughs> you especially jeff for spending all of the time uh, to edit our audio and put the podcast together so when people hear the finished product they don't really realize just how much work goes into that and I know how time consuming it is and I love the way that you make me sound it, it, you know what it's uh it, it's fun it's it's a fun part of the job it, it, does, it does take a lot of special software to make your song sound good uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding I'm kidding actually I love doing it the only disadvantage is having to you know when you edit, when you edit one of these things you 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 go over it again and again so I have to listen to it like 20 times in a row so hearing Hearing some of the dad jokes for like 18, 19, 20 times in a row is is the only is the only potential Listen, disadvantage. Those jokes are golden. They're gonna go down in history. Oh. Just oh, like no Rudolph doubt. the Red Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> what have been your favorite episodes of the ones we've done this year? You know, that's really tough. That's like asking me to pick one of my favorite children i mean i've only got two and they're both my favorite obviously but um <laughs> if i was to think back um i think the introduction was fun because there was that uncertainty of how it was going to turn out and i actually remember the first time you sent me the edit and were like okay i mean i've done this check this out and actually got goosebumps as i listened to it because i was like oh it's so cool he's done such a great job so i like the first one yeah um yeah yeah just because it was, you know, a surprise, and then like, yeah, yeah, it was it, a surprise, yeah. And I also it gave me an insight into just how great your editing was. So that was, you know, and, and how you can make it sound. So that was cool. Um, I think the second that was that was my first uh, favorite one. The second one would probably be the knee, uh, mm. and I think the reason I love the knee is we just we talk through everything, and it a hundred percent changed my practice. Um, you may or may not recall off the back of that episode. I went back and I added the QTs into my my general practice, uh, yeah, and actually, right. from that that kind of st- set me on my path, and yeah, that was a game changer. And we got so much feedback from people yeah. about the episode. Yeah, the the knee was a great one. I also lo- I loved the breast one too. Oh yeah, just be- for this for the same reasons, like hearing. I mean, you you have done a lot of thinking and refining of your practice about how to provide optimal analgesia and anesthesia for for breast cases, and it was fun for me to hear how you went through that and where you are now. Now, and I, I took a lot away from that myself. Well, that's cool. That's really cool to hear. Uh, and I mean, the other thing that was fun was actually the teaching episode. So we had we had so much content that we had to split that into two separate yeah. episodes, right? So that was fun because it was like a reflection through our our own yeah. personal journeys yeah. and the experiences we've had. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Any other favorite ones of yours that jump out? I love the ESP one too, um, just because mm-hmm. of the controversy uh, about, <laughs> about about some of the you know. 
does it work? Does it not work? How does it work? And you know, it's, it's funny. Yeah, I've taught a bunch of trainees uh-huh. and, and several weekend workshops since we've recorded that episode. And I, I now use the word pepper potting <laughs> <laughs> as a, as a, no, as a, it, cause that, that was sort of an aha moment for me when you described putting holes in the back of the ES muscle. And I was like, yeah. oh, that makes yeah. a ton of sense. I mean, I've been trying to put local underneath it, but you know what? If you just put some holes there, that that would probably... Ent- anyway, Ooh. that was a, another one of those uh, moments I was grateful for that you, you gave me some tips. So. Well, you know what? It just occurred to me, um, we talked about our New Year's resolutions in our New Year's episode. I think that might have been the ESP. I might be wrong. I think that might have been the ESP episode. But mine was something about getting healthy, which I think I've kind of done. Uh, I've been focusing on you know my diet and eating better food and doing a bit of fasting. Um, the other one was to remember dad jokes. I have 100% failed at that. I'm not very good at that. But yours, <laughs> my friend, was to learn how to backflip. So how did that go? Well, okay. So... Um, the year's not over yet. Let's just say that. Okay. okay. This is true. Okay. <laughs> ask, ask me in 20 days. Um, okay. yeah. it's going, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. Just sort of, th- you know, planning. Listen, you've used this line before <laughs> thinking about it. And I- yeah. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> Oh well, well, let's put let's table that one for now. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, we're full, we're falling into the Christmas baking here at the uh, uh, Casa Gadsden. The house smells amazing. It's always we've been doing lots of gingerbreads, and Corey does these Italian puffball cookies with a citrus glaze on them. They're they're incredible. I just oh really? It's, it's t- talking about health healthy eating. It's not it's not going to be good for me this this month. But dude, that is worth the trip to come over and see you guys just to eat that. We're just fully into the holiday spirit here. That's cool. You, you very nicely got out of, of, of admitting that you're not quite mastering the black flip, but I'll take that because I'm just picturing now the Ganson house covered with Christmas decorations and the smell of Christmas. This is, uh, yeah, it's going to be good, man. I'm looking forward to it. Last Christmas is is on air, on repeat. Oh, speaking of which, you're familiar with this um, Whamageddon thing, right? Are you familiar with this? <laughs> you introduced me to this. I think I think it was last right. year. Yeah. Did you know? So this year, I was determined that I was going to get right the way through to Christmas Eve. And I won't name the individual that did this because I don't want to give them too much prominence, but... I got completely got by a cheeky video on Twitter slash X. Somebody put up a video and they were like, hey, um, check out this new way to mix Taika Plane in using a Yanka sucker. I was like, oh, that looks really interesting. Clicked on the video and after about five seconds, it came out with, last Christmas. Yeah, and, and literally, it, <laughs> <laughs> it was a video to take people out. Oh, it's like, it's like Rick rolling. You got, yeah, you, got wh- you got wham rolled. I got totally worm rolled, and then <laughs> and then so good. It was really naughty, and then I I sort of said I I quote tweeted that and said thanks so much. I learned so much from this video, and boom, boom, boom. I started taking people out as well. <laughs> well, I'll go on the record as saying I I can't get enough of that song. Yeah, so. I get it. <laughs> have you have you seen the video? Have you ever watched the 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 music video for Last Christmas? Do you know I have, but it's been a, it's been a long time since I've watched it from beginning to end, so I I can't remember much. It is hardcore cheese 80s yeah it's just a bunch of shots of them in the ski cabin george michael has the full blow-dried hair going on it's a a little bit like yours today actually if you don't mind me saying (laughs) i'm trying to channel some 80s wham anyway so what do our listeners have to look forward to today well you know what uh jeff i kind of figured um because it's christmas i thought we'd go for a light-hearted mixed bag pick and mix or a potpourri if you uh, if you will of all of the questions we've had over the last year we had so many questions we haven't always had a chance to cover them and people have sent questions in via youtube via instagram via email so um what do you think about that we you know we we go through those and that would give us a nice way of rounding out the year i think it's a good idea you know because with your attempts at rapping and my mathematical issues with prime numbers, we don't always get a chance to cover all the stuff we'd like to. So I love it. Let's get into it. Okay, cool. So I have the first question. This is one from Instagram from uh, Dwayne Moore from Durban, South Africa. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, Dane. Who asks if we have standard protocols for breast surgery and total knee replacement that are available for sharing. Absolutely. We should post these. On our Twitter channel, maybe. That sounds like a great idea, actually. We could do that. Um, so have you got fixed protocols for both of those areas? We uh, The knee is much more fixed. The 
breast tends to be a little there are more options depending on the particular surgeon and mm-hmm. and some of the circumstances mm-hmm. if if there's going to be pec work done that requires a pec an interpectoral plane there block. we see go. what i did that see what i, I did i go. did the, the new nomenclature there yeah, yeah. Ugh, pec one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we could easily make a sort of a flow chart for how to use how to use different blocks for breasts yeah that'd be, i mean interestingly um the UK, British anaesthetists don't necessarily like being told what to do for everything. Um, and there are certain pathways. We've got enhanced recovery pathways where now we are starting to protocolize and, and they vary from one hospital to another. But my hospital, um, we are now looking at, you know, we've got a protocol in place for day case hips and day case knees, which we're just trialing currently. So once that gets approval and that goes live, I'd be very happy to share that. Um, for total knee replacement, um, you know, we haven't got a departmental uh, recipe, but I've certainly got my recipe, which I'm sure is very similar to yours so yeah i think we could definitely um share those for breasts it's so varied at my institution and if we tried to protocolize it i don't think anyone would stick to it because not that many anesthetists are doing blocks for breasts but mm, um, mm. i'm i'm sure we could share our thoughts and our ideas uh, via twitter for sure yeah so thank uh, thank you Dwayne, for that question and um, now i've got another question now this question is from uh, i'm gonna i hope i'm gonna do okay with the pronunciation help me uh joao pino from lisbon uh in portugal and that's by x and that question is what do you guys do for latissimus dorsi reconstructions jeff do you want to take this one first yeah um so this is this is this question comes up once in a while. We don't do a lot of these, okay. but if you think about the incision required to harvest that lat dorsi muscle, and then the innervation of the lat dorsi itself with a thoracodorsal nerve, I always when I did do these um, at a prior institution, uh-huh. we we did a serratus plane block mm-hmm. in an attempt to anesthetize the donor site and then the flap itself. I don't know. What do you think about that? So it's, it's really interesting because I used to do a lot of these um, ah. at, at the first hospital that I worked at. And the very first time I, I spoke to the surgeon, I said, look, I'd like to do a block for this. I was thinking about doing a serratus anterior plane block. She's like, uh, OK, where is your needle going to go? I said, well, I'm going to do a superficial serratus. going to lie between uh, latissimus dorsi and serratus. She was like, so right near my pedicle. So you want to stick a needle right near the thoracodorsal artery. <laughs> right near the artery that's going to be supplying this really important <laughs> flap. And she was like, uh, no. Um, so actually, <laughs> what I ended up doing, because often these were done um, in combination with mastectomies, so I basically did a bi-level, a two-level paravertebral block. So I do a T3, T4 paravertebral and a T7, T8 paravertebral with about 10 to 15 cc's of local anesthetic at each level. And actually, um, that works really nicely. Um, and then the last one of these I remember doing, so we did um, you know, a mastectomy and LD reconstruction, uh, and the anesthetic assistant I was working with said, I've got a really clever way to fix the ET tube to the face, and she used all these sandwiched transparent tegaderms together to like sandwich and make a, a mesentery. And at the end of the case, we woke the patient up, and as I removed the tegaderm from the face, large areas of skin uh, were removed. Ooh. And actually, um, when you saw when you saw the patient on the ward the next day, um, she looked like she had major facial surgery because of all the gauze they put on to protect the face. But she she had no pain in her chest and no pain in her back. So, um, two lessons from that: don't listen to somebody else suggesting to try a new way to fix an ET tube to the face. Number one and number two: actually, a dual level thoracic paravertebral block worked yeah. really nicely for mastectomy and LD reconstructions. Well, that's cool. So the next question is from our friend Robbie Erskine. Mm, I bet I know what this is. Go on. <laughs> he writes on X. How important is the nerve to vastus lateralis as part of your total knee reconstruction uh, package? Okay, can I go first? Can I? Yeah, go? Yeah. So, so, so first of all, I really um, I enjoyed your live scanning session with Stuart Grant, where you actually again both he and I asked you to, to demonstrate this, and you did, and it was lovely to see. I'm very aware of the fact that when we talk with passion about certain things, it almost gives the impression this is the only way to do it. And we're never saying that, right? We're never saying that this is the only way you can do Correct. this recipe for knee replacement. Absolutely. So these are just options that you know, you've know you had experience with and you're sharing with me and then I get excited about it and I'm sharing them with everyone else as well. We're using our, <laughs> yeah. our reach to do that. So 
to answer the first question is uh, how important is it as part of your TKR package? Well, the truth is it's not that important because I don't do it. That doesn't mean I don't think it may it doesn't have a role, but it's just not something I've added into my 27 Gadsden slash block it like it's hot knee arthroplasty injection technique because that would make it 28 injections. Um, so at the moment, <laughs> I don't do, I don't do it. I know how many how many pokes can you do on one knee? Well, you know what? Very recently, in fact, just on Friday, um, my knee surgeon came in to the anesthetic room to watch my fellow who'd just done the spinal do all of the blocks. And he sat there and watched every single block go in, which is a really, I was like, oh my God, what's he doing? Have I done something yeah, wrong? Yeah. Is he timing me? But he just wanted to see. And he was like, wow, that was impressive. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. Thanks, Rags. That was really nice. So he came to support us. But I just wonder okay, if good. I. Good. <laughs> I thought that story was going to end a different way. I thought we were going to say, oh, stop, stop touching the bone next to the knee. Well, I, was, I wasn't I was sure, but, you know, she was wearing sterile gloves. She yeah. had nice, you know, probe covers on. She was doing a really meticulous injection around the knee. So, thankfully, there was no having to mop away, like, blood. It, it all looked really good. Uh, so, I was very grateful for that. So, I, you know, I currently don't add the nerve to vastus lateralis into my practice because... I haven't needed to, but it may be more relevant at the point when I say to my surgeon, right, you can't do any infiltration whatsoever, and it's purely exposing what we're doing. So, so it may be something I introduce in the future, but right now, I'm not doing it. How about you? So I, it's hard to say what the value is. I will say that when we do a Dr. Canal, IPAC, geniculars, and cuties, and, and so if you think about the innervation of the knee, the only things that we're missing... Oh, and we get the nerve to vastus intermedius as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only thing that we're miss The major thing that we're missing is the nerve to vastus lateralis. The pain scores are good, they're, but they're not, they're not zero. No. And so that has led me to to wonder about this and we I, I, like you i haven't fully incorporated this into my set of blocks but i have played with it yeah. once in a while and and it it's very hard to know robbie I, I i don't know some sometimes it's difficult to change something that's been a habit you know you've developed a habit and you, you work at brainstem level right you say right this is i'm doing a knee yeah boom 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 these are the blocks we're gonna do and to remember to add in an extra step sometimes it's hard to do there was another question that came up sort of related to this um, and somebody was saying that they do, when they do their nerve to vastus intermedius, they use a larger volume injection. And they were wondering whether a larger volume injection at that endpoint for the nerve to vastus intermedius would spread around to cover the whole of the femur and take out those geniculars. I don't know whether that's something that you've thought about or um, or considered. So yes, we have thought about that, Stuart Grant and I, and, and some trainees did a, a day of cadaver work where it was it was amazing we had he got some cadavers at unc and we had a list of sort of questions we wanted to answer over the course of a weekend and okay, uh, okay. and one of them was this question and so we if you put dye at 12 o'clock on the femur and put you know a reasonable volume say 20 mils in there would it come around and cover the parts of the femur that where the superior medial and superior yeah. lateral genicular nerves are and the answer that we found was uh, sometimes so and the one that you would miss was the superior medial one oh. uh, if you're going to miss one so it, w it wasn't it was a maybe answer it was uh you know you okay. could do it but you may not get the same consistent effect if, as if you take out each one individually right okay i mean i i'm i'm surprised that i know you got you're a bit more generous but literally, I'm sometimes dropping one to two cc's of local anesthetic around those nerves. And, and often that's all you need. That's called power precision. Oh, yeah. If only, man. If only. <laughs> well, listen, I've got another question that's come from Shelley in New York. And Shelley has asked, will there be another pro-con debate between you two? And what will the topic be? <laughs> And that was one of the highlights of my year, I think, that ProCon debate at RAUK. Yeah, likewise, likewise, for sure, because, you know, we got to meet in person uh, and we got to have this debate. But, but um, I, you know, I was nervous. I was really nervous. I was thinking, we built up this rapport on the podcast and I know, you know, you're the cool um, North American slash Canadian dude that's going to come to the UK and tell everyone how cool they are and they've got to use nerve stimulators. How was I going to take you out? So no, that was great fun. But are we going to do another one? It, I guess it kind of depends, right? Yeah, I would love to do another pro kind of. What, what would we discuss? What would we? Do we disagree on anything else? Well, apparently not enough. But um, 
I don't know. We need to think about this. You know, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll have to get back to you, Shelley. I haven't got a straight answer. Um, if the opportunity arose for both of us to be at the same conference again, have a pro-con debate, 100% I'll be down for it. In fact, I'd just be, as long as you promise not to do any of that cheeky AI voice manipulation stuff that, uh, that may have featured uh, in your side of the argument. Sorry? Sorry? What AI? What? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> okay, Jeff. Any right. more questions? Yeah, this is oh, <laughs> this is one that came through from, and I don't know how they did this, but this is an anonymous admirer. What mm-hmm. does Amit wear whilst in the hot tub? Does it? <laughs> does it? Does this it, is not real. Wait, wait. This is a three-part question. What does Amit wear whilst in the hot tub? Does it depend on the season or the time of day slash night? So. And and if one if one person is asking this, I guarantee you there are others that want to know the listen, answer. Well, I could, listen. Don't worry, guys. I'm not. I'm not there's nothing. Gonna, there's not. This is a kid. This is a family show. Okay. Um. So <laughs> thank don't. God, thank um, God for that answer. Okay. And and, and our and our back garden. Uh, other people can look into it, even though we have a privacy screen. Uh, I can uh, rest all of your minds at ease and say that I I definitely wear swim shorts in there. Um. And and nothing else. There's nothing. Yeah. You know, so the only question we've got to decide is what we drink when we're in there. Whether it's a cup of tea, uh, whether it's a glass of wine, or a glass of champagne. That's it. So oh, in, those are the options. Those are the options, basically. Or actually, occasionally coffee. So tea, coffee, tea, uh, coffee, wine, or champagne. I like the way you roll, man. Yeah. It, you know that that that's probably the biggest uh, the biggest questions that we you know, we need to answer. And then yeah, you know, we go in there anytime any it's, it's 365 right so we go in there any 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 time of year any time of night we've even had um a welcoming the new years in there with the family so um this curiosity about about your hot tub practices has given me an idea is there any chance we can get like a a power hot tub cam that people can just log it log in log into and and watch you, <laughs> watch Dude, you. there is already one there so, uh, we we have a security camera at the back of the garden which happens to look over the my, my outside office and the hot tub so stay tuned for the link to that camera folks at home <laughs> no way <laughs> um okay uh moving on swiftly um this next one is not a question but it's a comment from joe stegman an ed fellow from boston oh hey joe via x um and it's really interesting so so um so joe is you know it's exactly what we wanted we wanted to inspire people from all backgrounds not just from anesthesia so this is great we've got an ed fellow um, and he says after listening to the podcast he started using geniculars for acute on chronic pain in the ed with patients getting amazing results walking out of the ed after coming in uh, on an ambulance to get them there for pain what do you think about that man oh that's amazing see this is this is partly why i after 15 or so years of doing this job i still get excited to come to work because this kind of innovation and finding new ways to solve problems is with, you know, regional anesthesia techniques and that sort of thing is inspiring, right? Like I would never have thought to, to use geniculars for an acute pain problem in the ED, but completely good on you, Joe. That's amazing. Yeah. They're really, really exciting to hear. And, you know, if you, if you guys are doing new novel and effective interventions like this publish these get them out there share them with all of us because it's great to hear about the work and you might inspire other people to do exactly the same yeah for sure that should be a case report at least yeah yeah okay um another question here's another one from uh our emergency medicine friend kylie baker from queensland australia via x who asks good day kylie how you going <laughs> how you going um <laughs> That was good. That was really good. I like that. So Kylie asks uh, two questions. What is the highest dose of local anesthetic you would use without comprehensive monitoring or a person present? And do we ever use sharp needles? I'm thinking these are like fodder for our pro-con debate, perhaps. Yeah, it's, uh, this sounds like a good setup here. Good good controversial questions here. So uh, what do you think, man? What? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the second one first. I'm going to do the second one first. Because okay. there is only one block uh, that I use sharp needles for. And so we've got these really long 27 gauge sharp needles. Like these are like nerve danger territory. They should have, they've got a red light on the box when you say, don't use these for regional anesthesia. So I use those for ankle blocks. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the reason I use those for ankle blocks is because they're so sharp, the patients don't feel them going through the skin. Um, and actually, I can, I can do my ankle block in like about, I don't know, 
five minutes or less than five minutes I don't have to put local acid in the skin. I don't even need to use sedation, to be honest with you. They're so, they're so well tolerated. Ah, okay. So one just obviously has to be careful that you don't skewer the nerve. Um, because if you do, then you know, that, that's bad news. But that is the only block that I use sharp needles for. How about you? Yeah, uh, yeah I do agree, actually. So we'll, we'll take, um, you know, because sometimes those blunt block needles getting through the skin is just... <laughs> I just cr- cringe as the, yeah. the trainee's like, okay, sh- little little sharp poke here and then it's like <laughs> and then about a minute later they're still trying to push them through the skin i've seen <laughs> um yeah so that ankle block yep same thing we'll use a 25 gauge needle and a little bit of tubing mm-hmm. and then a syringe um yeah yeah the other one that we'll use uh, a sharp needle for kylie is uh sphenopalatine ganglion block Ooh. yeah this is kind of a uh, a cool one it's the same thing we'll use a 22 gauge spinal needle and then some tubing and for the, part of the same reason just just allows you to get in easily and through some of those initial soft tissues and i'm not so worried because the end point of my advancement is to get close to or contact the lateral pterygoid plate now guys for those of you who don't know i'm watching jeff on this phone call sticking his finger like in his face <laughs> underneath his like zygoma <laughs> towards like his eyeball there is no way i'm going to be sticking a 22 gauge needle in there just for just for the record as he was telling this story and pointing his fingers and i was like oh my gosh i wouldn't be sticking any needle let alone a sharp needle but but credit to you man <laughs> we should we no we should do an episode on this because this is this is a a really really interesting block and <laughs> and uh i will i will admit to you it is it is not not for the faint of heart like you're you're sticking you have nearly like oh my god that's going right into this patient's skull it looks <laughs> He's like <doing> again <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my finger right beside the, but yeah. um, so it it takes a bit of like understanding of the anatomy and like, am I really? This is really yeah. safe, but yeah. Anyway, so that that's another example of a sharp needle. So those are your two sharp needles. One like far away from anything dangerous whatsoever, and one straight into your brain, straight towards the brain. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What about what about Kylie's second question? This is a uh, an interesting one. So the question is, what was the highest dose of local anesthetic you would use without comprehensive monitoring or a person present? Now, my answer to this is whenever I'm doing a nerve block, it's usually for surgery or it's for post-optive pain or it's for treating analgesia. So someone's coming with rib fractures or a hip fracture. So I would always do that with monitoring present. That's that's the honest truth. In my institution, if I were to do something like that without any monitoring present and there were to be a problem, I think it would be difficult to defend. And the highest dose of local anesthetic I would use, yeah, to be honest with you, I generally tend to stick within the, the maximum dosing limits, maybe 10 or 20% either side of it. But um, I'm, I don't really know how to answer that question because I'm kind of getting the impression that this may be related to some specific circumstances where someone's trying to do a block and maybe in remote circumstances. I mean, what, what do you take on this question? Well, so imagine Kylie's doing a digital block, you know, for a finger laceration yeah. or something. And that's like... That's often done without monitoring, right? If we're being honest. Five, I'm, I'm just imagining five or six mils. Am I really putting the patient at risk for last with five or six mils? No. Unlikely, right? So, and, but I have seen last with 20 mils. I've seen last with two mils. Oh, right in the vertebral artery? We're literally doing a, a carotid, actually. <laughs> so there's yeah, a bit, yeah, yeah. there was a bit, a little bit of supplementation. Boom. That was it. Happened almost straight away. That's a bad day. Yeah. But okay, that's an unusual circumstance. I don't know. I think, it, think Kylie, it, it's very context dependent where it's going to go, um, obviously, near the carotid versus mm. in a finger. But it's going to be single digits for me. Prime no, number? No, pri- if you injected a prime. Nine? Nine? No, God, not. <laughs> so if you're injecting, sorry, I think you'd have to turn the sound on on my laugh just then because I was about to go nuts. Um, so yeah, uh, that, was, that was deliberate. I know nine is not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's the first one? Okay, I'm not going to put you under pressure. It's fine, it's fine. Um, yeah, but I, but I think there are very few circumstances where I am injecting less than 10 cc's. But I guess single digits, I wouldn't think twice about it. Now I understand what you're saying. Now I understand the question a bit better. Um, if I was doing um, a serratus anterior plane block for rib fractures, if I was doing a fascia iliaca block, these are high volume blocks. And also these are in patients who may well have already received opioids. And then you give them a regional anesthetic technique uh, and then you take the pain away and then goes the respiratory drive. So that's an even more reason, or even more of a reason to use comprehensive monitoring. So, yeah, I, I, I like your single digit answer. 
um that that's one thing but you know i think it i think it's it's difficult to answer that it's so context dependent so i feel i copped out of that but well it's it's a it's a tricky issue yeah, for sure. Yeah. Good, good question, Kylie. Thanks. Yeah, great question. And, and it's very rarely that we're stumped here, but thank you for that. Now, Jeff, um, there was a comment from our friend Tanya from Australia, Gong Gas Girl from X. <laughs> um, in, in, in her regular appraisals of our episode, she said, one of us is weird Barbie. Now, what do you have to say about that? I never remember. I remember her saying that. That was an amazing analysis of of that of that episode. Um, thank you. First of all, thank you, Tanya, for listening to to yes. our you know ridiculous podcast, and thank you for taking the time to to do your your comments and analyses that we it's it's much appreciated uh weird barbie does that imply that one of us i don't know who the other one is that one of us is like non-weird barbie or one or is one of us probably be ken uh, right i mean i don't know so i guess we have to define what weird barbie is all about what's weird barbie what is she she was like the original she she know she'd been she'd been treated badly by the kids she had you know her hair cut up and yeah matching your hairstyle from today right but she was but but she was insightful right she had the she she had the answers that for for she was like the oracle kind of Mm. i'm gonna say it to you then you've got the answers okay well i'll take it listen i'll take it (laughs) I'll take it. But she also suggested, you know, we we informally shortened our hashtag from hashtag block it like it's hot to hashtag B L I B I L I H. Oh my god, I can't even deal with the shortened hashtag. So Billy, um, so she she suggested we do that, and so actually maybe we'll slowly introduce that as we move on for, uh, forward. Hashtag B I L I H. It's a lot to type out the whole hashtag block it like yeah, it's hot. It is. Yeah. And let's use the text replacement uh, hack on Twitter, which we can. Uh, I can show you how to do if you want as the Oracle or Weird Barbie. I'll show you that tr- that trick. <laughs> Hashtag Weird Barbie. Well, here, okay. Here's another question from uh, Neha Padi from Birla, India, via X. Is there an ideal plan to spare the diaphragm when dealing with ORIF for proximal humerus fracture? That's a good question. Mm. What's your? You've got a proximal humerus fracture, Amit, and and you're worried about the patient's respiratory status what do you do hotshot what do you do it all I, I guess it really depends upon how important it is for you to 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 spare the diaphragm i.e what would be the consequences of you getting phrenic neuroparesis uh, so we're talking about phrenic uh we just want an answer here Anna. yeah okay all right i'm just thinking out loud this is what politicians <laughs> do when they're trying to think of the answer um i still yeah, i still like a low volume superior trunk block but you know we, we've got the other options we've got the, the if you really wanted to be super super sparing of course we could do suprascapular the only thing about taking out the auxiliary is um it's likely the auxiliary nerve could be caught up in the fracture right so trying to scan the posterior part of the um uh of the humerus where there may be a cast on it would be a nightmare so my answer there we go i've now managed as i was talking i've managed to come up with my answer by killing some time i would do a posterior cord injection and a posterior approach to the suprascapular nerve that's what i would do how about you hot shot <laughs> well that is, that is my default you know, diaphragm sparing technique that's what i like the best is it is a posterior suprascapular yeah. nerve block but you do a you do a proper infraclavicular as opposed to just the post the posterior well, cord, right, to get all the other stuff yeah yeah i did yeah, so i gave yeah. the gold so, answer he gave the platinum haha because he's ken right um <laughs> <laughs> or was it, i don't know I think yours is a better answer, but anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a nice technique and allows you to get essentially reproduce an interscaling or you know the proximal humerus shoulder gold standard without risking the diaphragm. Because you're literally not injecting in the in the base of the neck. You're nowhere near those yeah. those those nerves yeah, that yeah. would be of concern. So I think that was yeah. I think phew, we handled that one okay. I think after my little procrastination, we got there. <laughs> yeah. Now. On the same kind of vibe, here is uh, another emergency medicine trainee question. This is from Gokul Saga from London, who's an emergency medicine trainee via X. And he said, what are our thoughts on suprascapular nerve and auxiliary nerve for difficult shoulder dislocation reductions in non-fasted patients in the ED? So rather than doing interscaling, do an auxiliary or a, and a suprascapular nerve block uh, for shoulder dislocations. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. 
Okay, non-fasted ED patients. The implication is you don't want to use a lot of local to avoid a situation in which if you get last, then you've got a real problem Mm -hmm. with potential risk for aspiration, et cetera, et cetera. Don't want to use sedation. My gut says I would still do a low-volume interscaling. Phew. Thank God. I was wondering where you were going to go there. Okay, good. Yeah, and and I, I think this is one of those things. If you just use like five mils or, you know, single digit mils, less than 10 at C5 or C6 or the superior trunk, somewhere in that region, you're going to get enough muscle relaxation of the shoulder girdle that you can just pop that shoulder right back in. You will, right? So so I guess my my question back to Gurkle is why wouldn't you do an interscaling? I don't know whether the thought process is maybe this is safer or less invasive, but you know, sometimes a suprascapular nerve depending upon which approach you go for isn't quite as easy as as you know as it's said. Um, and certainly auxiliary trying to get the auxiliary in a patient with a dislocated um, shoulder isn't going to be easy. So my personal feeling is whilst it's an option why wouldn't you just stick with what we know works best? Yeah, and I think you can also more effectively limit the number of mils of local you're using there. So instead of having to put like five or seven at the suprascapular and another five or seven at the axillary, just use that single dose of five or seven at the interscaling brachial plexus. Yep, yep, for sure. Okay, cool. All right, so hey, we agreed on that one. Here's a comment from Miguel Solis from Madrid, Spain, as to whether we could upload our podcast episodes to YouTube so that subtitles could help. What do you think, man? So I think this is because my accent is sometimes difficult to understand. So people need subtitles to help. Um, so you know what we did? We did ep- upload episode one to our YouTube channel. but in- And that was after a request by people saying they wanted to see the episodes there. But really interestingly, we haven't had that many views of the episode. Now, it may be just because people didn't realize it's there. In theory, we could do it. It just is an extra couple of clicks in order for us to set that process up. But I guess we want to hear back from all of you guys, those of you that are listening to the podcast on whatever format you're listening on, if you would like us to upload some of our episodes to our YouTube channel, we can do. But I just wasn't aware that there was that much of a, of a demand for it. So uh, you know, if it's something that you guys are interested in, please do let us know uh, and we can we can certainly look at doing that. Uh, you know, maybe we could try another episode. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's I think it's worthwhile. If 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 that seems to be if the, <laughs> if the subtitles are helpful, I'm just thinking back to my like my Scottish accent and my my attempt at a Kiwi accent and that sort of thing. Um, I think maybe the rapping rapping needed some top subtitles as well. <laughs> Certainly up for it, yeah. All right, cool. Well, listen, I've got another question here. Now, this is from Patrick Schult from Sweden. uh, And this is, we've almost touched on this already, actually. He said, how do your surgeons react to multiple blocks in the operative area? And I suspect he means where the knife is going to go. And he he gives the examples of geniculars or IPAC. So do you want to take this one first? Yeah, well, it's interesting to hear you say that your surgeon watched you do all those things and was was, uh, just impressed. Well, we have one surgeon that, that, when I explained the idea of geniculars, he did not like it. He just thought it was just a bit too close to the knee with the hardware and infection risk and that sort of thing. Now, we are actually currently doing a, uh, an analysis of patients who have received genicular blocks over the past four or five years. So stay tuned for those results. And I, my suspicion is that we will see that there is actually no difference in joint infection rates afterwards. So, Oh, you're specifically looking at joint, in joint infection between those that have had them and those that didn't? Yes, because even though our surgeons, save for that one, are, are mostly in favor of it, they, this question does come up. You know, you're putting a needle so close to the joint. Is there not an infection risk, etc.? So stay tuned for that. But to me, the, the biggest thing is hemostasis. And so in addition to being the one that's pressing the syringe plunger for the trainee when they're doing all the blocks, I have gauze in my hand mm-hmm. ready to jump on those little pinholes and apply pressure so that we don't get this big hematoma. They're very quick to come back and say, you brought the patient back to the OR and there was blood all over the stretcher and, yeah. you know... I. I'm very quick to hold pressure there for a minute or two. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And certainly after the um, the knee episode that, uh, that he, we recorded and you mentioned that point, I literally, that's now become part of my practice. So the moment the needle comes out from from the first genicular, the gauze is down there putting pressure just to minimize the chance that uh, there's any any blood and also allowing any blood to get down on the sheets or the drapes or what, you know, you just don't want that to yeah. be there. It needs to look pristine. So a lot of optics. 
yeah, it is about it. So, so I think what we decide is you know, we've got to be transparent and honest about it. So I always let my surgeons know what I'm doing. Um, and ultimately, if they say no, then fine, we don't push it. But yeah, there is some anxiety about it. And what we need to do is to make sure we adopt you know good practice make sure we use you know make sure we do it in a clean way with you know probe clovers gauze make it all look clean and presentable so valid question i think okay here's uh here's mitch the gas man from twitter uh he wants to know what is our preferred technique for hip fracture uh is it peng is it super inguinal fascia iliaca is it femoral and lateral cutaneous nerve what do you do so what is what do you think he's talking about? Do you think he's talking about hip fracture analgesia? So when they come uh, into ED, or is he talking about perioptive? So for hip fracture analgesia, I have always been I call them sci-fi. I think you call them sifi uh, or superingual fascia iliaca. I've always been a fascia iliaca kind of guy, mm. um, but our ED guys are trying to convince us more and more that they like pings because they. Uh, I don't know, they find them slightly easier to do and um, scanning up from the femoral head, boom, straight onto the iliopubic eminence and pubic ramus. Um, so they quite like those, but I don't know. I, I like the superingual fascia iliaca and actually um, I was again watching one of my um, my very skilled uh, consultant colleagues, somebody who taught me who, who I did my first ever auxiliary brachial plexus plot the other day. He was doing a hip fracture list and he gave them all a light GA and he was doing either superingual fascia iliaca blocks or lumbar plexus blocks that old bad boy um how about you well i i think i i like it's i like a fascia iliaca as well i think it's a it's a an excellent block that covers you know most of what you need however in a 90 year old mm-hmm. with what i call like mushy planes and muscle and you know it's yeah it's, it's, it's man it's a hard plane to to land your needle in sometimes do you mean all of your blocks don't look like your blocktober videos is that what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> no every what are you talking about every, every block looks perfect no uh no man i it is it is hard and sometimes and uh and so i do love the simplicity of a pang where you see you know the little trough of schwartz and bring a needle down and boom hit it and and inject hold on a what a trough of schwartz is that a new thing you've just introduced into my vocabulary oh no the trough yeah the trough of schwartz that's the you know the little trough between the iliopubic eminence and the aiis omg how can i not know this is i don't know it's some did you make this up no this is uh who schwartz not gary schwartz i don't know i don't know who schwartz is i just this is a thing oh <laughs> my god guys google this i want to know if he's yanking my chain the trough of schwartz i'm asking my hip surgeons about this what on earth okay so you like sticking a needle into schwartz's trough <laughs> you can say that i guess um i think so i'm aware of one publication for this is not for hip fracture analgesia but for hip replacement showing that the fasciliac and the pang give roughly mm-hmm. equivalent analgesia so so I think it's a coin flip. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do quite like, um, if I'm doing a peng, I do quite like adding in the latch cutaneous nerve of the thigh, uh, just because it's kind of, in theory, I want to make sure I don't take it out on the way in inadvertently, but also it's a nice block to do. Um, if I've got a you know, patient which who doesn't have that much tissue, then of course you can do both with a linear probe. And I quite like to use the virtual convex footprint variation on the linear probe. But failing that, um, I might do um, the peng with a with a curved array probe and do a latch cutaneous nerve of the thigh with a linear probe. But yeah, for me at the moment, I'm still a sci-fi superingual fasciatica kind of guy. Okay, I've got the last question, Jeff. Before we go and do the next bit of uh, a fun and entertainment, oh. this is. from Ken Tang from X and Ken Tang asks us do you guys use adductor canal casters for day case knees we we have done um we have migrated more recently to a a single injection solution Mm -hmm. as as I think we talked about in the knee episode but for for several years we did do adductor canal catheters and then send them home with a pump the challenge there is this is assuming you have the 
infrastructure to manage a catheter program and do the follow-up and you know what happens when the pump fails or the pump's leaking and how do you address and meet those needs. The other specific issue that you have to deal with sometimes is where the catheter tip is sitting and is the injectate from that going to get both the nerve to vastus medialis and the saphenous nerve. And mm-hmm. it can be tricky uh, just laying the catheter in the right subsertorial plane to get both of those. So certainly doable. Mm. So, you know, people may or may not realize that uh, many years ago, I was asked to do a, uh, a pro-con debate at Isura about the benefits of, of, of sending patients home with catheters. And um, actually, I'd just written an editorial in Anesthesia about uh, interscaling catheters, which is where I got the cold shoulder pun from. Um, and so I had a hashtag, hashtag no catheter, which I used to you know, put out all the time on, on Twitter. Uh, I, I remember this debate. Did you remember <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so actually, I we don't use we don't use catheters. It would be perfect in a way because our knee patients certainly prior to us changing our regional anesthesia protocol, many of our knee patients were in hospital for a few days, so we could have used a catheter, but it's just not something that's flown in our institution. I don't think our knee surgeons would be that happy with catheters, so it's not something that we've used. Now that we're looking at day case knees and we are looking at other potential strategies to deal with that and of course the challenge is you can keep most of these patients comfortable for up to 24 hours with regional anesthesia techniques alone but it's what happens after that period that where it gets a bit tricky so we are currently not using adductor canal catheters and i suspect we probably won't okay man listen i've got some jokes for you okay um how does and and these are obviously going to be christmas themed because of you know when we're doing this podcast so how does a gingerbread man get around with a broken leg okay gingerbread man um no tell me he uses a candy cane come on okay give me one give me one okay all right here's (laughs) where do you buy a christmas gift for your pig (laughs) I haven't got a pig. Okay, I assume I have a pig. Um, I'm <laughs> assuming you had a one of those little teacup pot belly pigs. Okay, okay, cool. I'm, I'm getting the picture now. I don't know. Which I actually, I actually want one of those. I have haven't. you seen them? The I teacup haven't pigs? seen them. But... They're, they're so cute. Okay, so okay. Where, where are we going to buy this Christmas present for your pig? Tell me. Amazon. Oh my god! And if that, that and if that pig so... if that pig needs to go to hospital, how do you get him to the hospital? Uh, I, I don't know. Tell me. The ambulance. Oh God! Of course. <laughs> okay, this I've got. I've got one for you. Um, what did one snowman say to the other snowman? I uh, don't know. What <laughs> does it smell like carrots to you? Because <laughs> of the nose. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Hello. <laughs> it's this. If it's that bad a joke, you have to explain it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I've done a bit of research. Uh, um, from ChatGPT, I'm going to be honest, right? I'm going to fess up. These are my sources, so I've got a couple of jokes. Um, I, I'm going to share one with you to for for you to read out, and then I'm going to read one out. So I'm going to read my one first. Sorry, hold on. Th- these these are jokes that have been constructed by AI, or yeah. So I I, I went to uh, to one of the AI tools. We're not sponsored by anybody at the moment, uh, and I said um, <laughs> at the moment at the moment. <laughs> Dear AI person, please can you make me a joke relating to regional anesthesia uh, and Christmas? Uh, and this uh, is what we got. Uh, we came up with. So I'm going to read the first one. You're going to read the second one. So my joke is, why did the anesthesiologist bring a Christmas tree to the regional anesthesia party? Okay. Because they wanted to numb the holiday pain with some festive needles. <laughs> what? Mm, that, that kind of I don't know if they hit that is okay. I don't know what do you think well, I don't first, know first of all numbing the holiday pain <laughs> that is yeah 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 that's actually bad this guy must have been having a dark day you're right I didn't but anyway okay assuming that not everybody's holiday is full of merriment like okay but the the festive needles and the Christmas tree and regional that's pretty amazing, man. This AI, this AI stuff really—it's not bad. It's not bad. Blows my mind how yeah, it puts yeah. that conceptually those things together. Yeah, it's not bad. Because that's a very, that's a very sophisticated concept. Like Christmas tree needles, needles for regional anesthesia. I, I think. Yeah, I think it's I clever. Know. I mean, this was literally—it yeah, was yeah, done yeah. instantly on the end of the request. Oh, I, I, yeah, I know it's amazing. So I've just texted you one. So you read this out to us. My, my, by the way. 
my current use of AI, my most common use is now to tone down emails that I shouldn't hit send on that's that uh, that are that oh have you have you used this no i haven't for that i have heard people doing that most of my days are pretty good but i suffice it to say a couple months ago i had this like issue that i had to resolve and this i was it was getting heated or i was feeling heated and i had written out this email and i said i had the foresight to say to my friend josh hey, just take a look at this is should i hit send or should i just wait on this and he goes no no what you should do is take this put it into this ai engine and say make this sound more professional and I did, and it was it was absolutely incredible. I sounded so smart and so like gracious, and uh, so now wow, I'm gonna do that. That's great. That's a hot tip for that you. Is great. Okay, why did the regional anesthesiologist ask Santa for a new ultrasound machine for Christmas? I don't know. Tell me. Because they wanted to make sure they always had a clear view of their gifts. Oh, I like that one better. That's a good one. I like that. Okay, you got the good joke. You got the good joke. That was very good. Okay. No, no, I like the, I like the needles. That was good. Okay, cool. So that feels to me like we've got a nice um, a nice bit of festivities, uh, uh, dad jokes in there. Uh, do you know what? As we're wrapping up, Jeff, I thought it'd be really interesting for our listeners to, to, to kind of get a bit of a lowdown on the stats for our podcast. So um, I remember a few episodes back, we talked about how we had nearly like 17,000 downloads. But dude, do you know what the latest numbers are? What is it? 24 and a half thousand time all-time downloads that means that's great episodes that's of us have been downloaded and that's excluding anybody listening on uh, on youtube incidentally but that's 20 that's amazing so thank you guys so much that's my it's mind-boggling yeah thanks for listening to us just ramble on in this stuff it's humbling yeah yeah it's 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 really cool to know that there are some people that wanting to listen to that yeah yeah now if you were to think uh about episodes as they came out um there's a top four um, which have been downloaded the most within the first month. So can you think of which episodes you think had the highest uh, first month downloads? If you were to guess, what do you think they would be? Probably the more recent ones, right? Because I think our, hopefully, our audience has grown a bit since the initial. Yeah. Yeah. Because the first month, people got to know about it to kind of hit download, right? So, yeah, yeah this is just really a metric of whether or not people have uh, have been tuning in. So what do you think was number one? Well, our last episode prior to recording this was the shoulder one. So is that it? Yeah. Number one was the shoulders. Absolutely. Ah, uh-huh. okay. There we so go. it's interesting. So we had shoulders number one, then breast, the breast episode, uh-huh. uh, then our teaching episode, and then interestingly, the REUK roundup, where we kind of uh, summarize what happened in REUK. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. so this is a now a more interesting, a more relevant uh, metric um, of, our, of all of our... Uh, 10 episodes which have been released the 11th one needs to be edited and go out and then we've got this 12th one but of the 10 episodes that are out there so far which do you think had the top all-time downloads i reckon you might have worked this one out but let's see top all-time downloads hmm. i'm gonna say esp because it was early on so lots of time for people to listen to mm-hmm. it yeah interestingly that's not number one it is oh. in the top three so number one knees number two breasts number three esp so it's interesting ah. i probably would have thought they would be there and um, we haven't really i guess we haven't had long enough for shoulders to get in there so number one the top all-time downloads is knees then breasts then esp then the two teaching episodes so actually we mentioned all of those as being our favorite episodes so maybe that's why they were uh, they were in there um how about the top 10 countries where our podcast is listened to so this is really fascinating so where do you think you probably can guess one and two right i know one and two because i watch this <laughs> i watch this all the time and to see so uk is number one and yeah and us is number two right yeah yeah, yeah. i i'm 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 waiting for that to flip um <laughs> it may happen it, it may happen you never know. well you never know i don't know and then i think uh I think Australia's in there. Yes, number three is Australia. Okay. I think India's up there. Number five is India. So what's number four? UK number one, USA number two. Number three is Australia. What's number four? Um, oh, Canada. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it is Canada. Great. Ah. Uh. So hey, Canada's top four. So, in fact, the top four are all places that we've done the accents of. That's interesting, isn't it? Um, Wait, have I, done a Canadian, have I done a truly Canadian accent? Or is that something we can look forward to? And- of course you did, eh? 
You did that quite. You did, wait, wait, you did a little bit. Okay. Not not a full epi- not a full intro in okay. Canadian. Maybe that's to come. <laughs> um, and then we got India, Portugal, Germany, Ireland, New Zealand, and Brazil. So that's fascinating. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, nice. Well, listen. The way I thought we'd fill it, finish this up is, you know, you know that song uh, on the twelfth day of Christmas. That that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve days. I thought we'd think about our twelve blocks of Christmas. Okay. Um, um, we've got to pick 12 blocks um, and we'll take it in turns naming them uh, uh, if you could pick your top 12 blocks what would they be so uh, Jeff let's start off with your 12 blocks of Christmas choice number one I'm going to go wreck the sheath mm, I wouldn't have predicted that but now you said it I know why okay uh, <laughs> well I'm going to come in day two uh, paravertebral the king of blocks the king of blocks. We've got Rex has got Paravertible. What are you going to go with for okay. day three? My favorite lower limb block, Popateal Sciatic. Ooh, nice, nice. Okay, um, sticking with the lower limb, and we've talked about it already, I'm going to slide in on day four with the super ingral fascia iliaca block. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good choice. Okay, okay. Where are we going to go with day five? Interscaling. Oh, I like interscaling. Okay, cool. How, who, who doesn't like the interscaling block? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to mix it up now for day six. This is a block that's been recently described, and you know I've got my thoughts about new blocks, etc. But the external oblique intercostal plane, I'm going to pop that in there at day six. Yeah, a little, little bit of a dark horse there. Like it's a, a new yeah, block, yeah. not a lot of papers out on it, but it's. Are you using it a lot? Um, we've done it for a few open coleys, doing it for a little bit of some upper abdominal work, yeah. just having a play, having a feel. I, th- I think I think it's got some some good vibes. I'm f- I'm feeling that. It has to be on the list somewhere. ESP number seven. Yes, number seven is ESP. Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, and then for day eight, I'm going to come up with another three-letter acronym, maybe even the original, the OG, the TAP. <laughs> The tap block. There we go. So I'm going to go number eight. I'm going to go with the tap block. Oh my gosh. So where are we going to go next? I just realized that, yeah, I'm missing a number here. But okay. So SA. <laughs> then where are you going to go next? Nine, I'm going to say, it, you know what? Oldie but a goodie and very useful ankle block. Ooh. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I do like the ankle block. And there was a period of time actually when the ankle block was my favorite. So, okay. I like that. Okay. So number 10. Just because it's featured so heavily in my life over the last year, I'm going to go femoral triangle block. So the old school adapter canal, but actually the femoral triangle block, I'm going to say number 10 for me. Okay. Yeah. 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 Hard to, hard to argue there. I'm, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that right up with number 11, cuties. Ooh. Anterior femoral block. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I totally got to give you maximum respect for that, uh, for introducing that to my practice. So I like that cuties. And you know what? Talking about small, tiny nerves that I never used to look for, but now I really like to look for, I'm going to finish off my 12th or our 12th day of Christmas with the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve of the thigh or lateral, mm. lateral cutaneous nerve of the thigh. Hey, that's not bad, man. So we've got 12 blocks of Christmas. Yeah. Rectus, paravertebral, popliteal sciatics, uh, fascia iliac, interscaling, external oblique, ESB tap, ankle, femoral triangle cuties, and latch cutaneous nerve. I feel that that has brought our gear to an end, Jeff. What a pleasure it has been working closely with you. Man, it's been, it's been amazing. Thanks for everything. Well, thank you too. What have we got to look forward to next year, man? Ah, oh, season two. We've got hopefully some meetings in person. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, next year I'm excited. I've got the REK meeting in London. I'm, you know, I'm hoping and praying there'll be some way, uh, shape, or form that you and I can meet next year. Hold on a second. Let me just can we just back it up for a second? You don't just have the REK meeting in London next year. You are the Bruce Scott lecturer of that meeting. So yeah, let's yeah. just yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's very exciting, and al- and almost I don't believe it. But this will be this. I feel like this might be my last my last REK. So we're gonna make sure we uh, we finish it properly and. Uh, a lot of a lot to live up to so i'm nervous Excellent. and excited but i'm looking forward to it and listen dude you're going to be hitting us up with some backflips right that's what we want to know about <laughs> that's that's the plan yep <laughs> well listen guys we we we're, we're coming to an end right yeah what do you think? Do you think they want to hear us do a season two? Because if they're if they're up for it, I'm definitely up for it. Let's do it. Okay, well, listen, why don't we wrap up our final episode of the year, Jeff? What do you reckon? As I say, it's a wrap. What? You, you mean we're over? It was short and sweet, Alma. That's how I like it. <laughs> 
Well, listen, guys, if you want us to do some more or maybe even have some special guests on our next season, please let us know. Please, can you feed back to us what you think about season one and whether there's appetite for you to, for us to record some more episodes. And I'll tell you what, we are totally up for it. So let us know what you think. Um, please like and subscribe and rate to the podcast from your usual podcast provider. Uh, and let us know if you want more. And if you do that, we will 100% be up for that. And where can they follow us, Jeff? Well, I'm going to just jump in here with Insta block underscore it <laughs> underscore like underscore it's underscore hot because you always get stuck with that one. So I'll just take that one. Or yeah, you can okay. do Twitter yeah. at block it hot pod with two underscores between it and hot. And there's YouTube, right? Yeah, which is at block it like it's hot. And um, now we have got the hashtag, which is hashtag block it like it's hot. But we're going to try and encourage you to use our abbreviated hashtag now, hashtag B I L I H. We hope you all have a very happy and merry holiday season and all the best in 2024. Absolutely. Wishing you all the best in season's greetings. So until season two, we hope you all block it like it's hot. hot.